Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost. I'm your host Annette. And I'm Stephen. A million miles away. And today we are on episode 90. 90. Time for a pinty. 90 episodes. It felt really weird saying that to our neighbour. He was like, how's the podcast going? I was like, yeah, 90 episodes in. I'm like, who who's sitting lo- listening to us? My mum and your sister. No, I do actually have to do a little shout out. Actually, do you know what? No, it's not a little shout out. To me, it's huge because I don't pretend to be the next big podcaster. So these little numbers mean absolutely huge to me, right? So the other day I was looking through where we have our most listeners. Obviously, the US doesn't surprise me with two and a half thousand downloads because most of our stories are from the US. And then the next one down is very close to 1500 and it's Ireland, which makes sense because we're an Irish podcaster. And then the UK at 595, right? But here is the thing that I thought was hilarious. And I asked about this on Instagram and I have a theory that like myself, when it comes to the outro part of our podcast, people might just go on to the next episode because they already know our socials, they already know our email, and if they don't need it, they don't want to hear it, they'll just go on to the next thing. So when I asked on Instagram who these people were, and I didn't get an answer back, I figured maybe a lot of people don't know we have an Instagram page. So we do have an Instagram page, it's What's the Story Ghost, but I'm looking through, right? So in the UK, we had 595,000, sorry, that's not 1,000, 595 downloads. In the US, in a tiny little place called Royersford, we had nine downloads in June, but it was the last day of June. And then I checked it again, and we have 615 downloads from one tiny little town, which is more than our third highest listening place. How many people are in this tiny little town? <laughs> no, I have no idea. And I did the maths, it's like either six people or six and a half people have listened to every single episode or a bunch of people are very slowly working their way through the podcast. But it's I just wanted to say a massive shout out to whoever you guys are and please let yourselves be known. Say hello. <laughs> We're very friendly, I promise. Um, but I do want to do the shout out at the end because like I said, people can... I don't... I don't. It's I, like, this might be ring home for the people in our foreign countries but it's like the bit after you get the body of Christ at mass it's like you get the body of Christ and you just walk past where you were sitting and keep going out the door on a Sunday <laughs> I evening I've my Jews I've done like what's the priest going to tell me that I don't already know <laughs> and I actually I heard a piece I, I heard a piece I heard a priest once in the mass just after the body of Christ bit yeah. and he pointed at all the people leaving and he goes oh there you go the faithful departed <laughs> <laughs> At least he had a sense of this humor is, though. That's all, he, that's all we had going for us. That's back good, then. that's good. We crack on with today's story? Let's get cracking. Canuck Chase Forest, or known locally as The Chase, is located in the north of Birmingham, Staffordshire. The forest should be known for its outstanding natural beauty, and it is. But it's also believed to be home to some of the strangest, most bizarre and supernatural inhabitants. During the Iron Age, the land was originally home to a Celtic tribe known as the Cornovi. The name Cornovi is said to mean Horned God, which was reportedly followed by many tribes in Britain at the time. There are stories galore of ritualistic killings and human sacrifices performed in the forest. In the 1330s, the bubonic plague broke out in China and was transported back to Europe by traders. The disease struck swiftly. The Italian writer Boccaccino was known for having said that the plague victims 
ate lunch with their friends and dinner with their ancestors in paradise. In Italy, the plague killed more than any war ever had. In Chase Forest, it wiped out roughly half the population. In the 19th century, Dr. William Palmer was convicted for the 1855 murder of his friend John Cook and was executed in public by hanging the following year. He had poisoned Cook with strychnine and was suspected of poisoning several other people, including his brother, his mother-in-law and four of his children who died of convulsions before their first birthday. Palmer made large sums of money from the debts of his wife and brother after collecting on life insurance and defrauding his wealthy mother out of thousands of pounds, all of which he lost through gambling on horses. John Cook, a sickly young man with an inherited fortune of £12,000, was a friend of Palmer. But in November 1855, the pair attended the Shrewsbury Handicap Stakes and bet on various horses between the 13th and the 15th of November. Cook won £3,000 by betting on Polestar and Palmer lost heavily by betting instead on the chicken. Cook and Palmer had a celebratory party at the Raven, a local drinking establishment. Already on the 14th of November, Cook was complaining that his gin had burnt his throat. Afterwards, Cook was violently sick and was quoted telling two friends, George Herring and Ishmael Fisher, I believe that damn Palmer has been dosing me. On November 15th, Palmer and Cook returned to Rugley, but Cook died not long after and Palmer was arrested and charged with poisoning him with a chemical he had access to because of his medical practice. He was hanged on June 14th, 1856, with a crowd of 30,000 spectators at Stafford Prison, the largest crowd ever to enter a prison for such an event. He was left to hang for an hour and then subsequently buried without a coffin. The ghost of Palmer, otherwise known as the Rugley Poisoner, still haunts the halls of HMP Stafford and sightings of an apparition matching his description are seen regularly in the forest surrounding that building. Canuck Chase Forest was used for military training and eventually a prisoner of war camps from 1875 through to the end of the First World War. By 1917, German soldiers who were captured or shot down anywhere over the UK were forced to live and work at these camps. In October 1918, the Spanish flu ravaged its way through the continent and given its substandard living conditions, many of the soldiers and detainees died horribly. The war ended the following month, but Canuck Chase Forest would see itself again being utilised for similar purposes two decades later, when the British military took up arms against Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. In 1959, the governments of the UK and the Federal Republic of Germany agreed that it would be preferable to bury the dead troops in a single location rather than disperse them throughout the nation. So they started bringing the remains to Cannock Chase Forest from all across the British Isles. The cemetery, which contains around 5,000 bodies of German and Austrian troops and servicemen, was finished in June 1967. There have been numerous accounts of ghost sightings, disembodied wails and howling from around the cemetery's grounds, as well as the neighbourhood over the years. It's also important to add reports of the Canuck Chase Panther, a big, sinister black cat. Three young girls' remains were found in Canuck Chase Forest in 1966 and 1967. 
With more than 150 detectives assigned to the case, the murder led to one of the biggest criminal investigations in British history, which involved searching more than 37,000 residents and interrogating at least 80,000 people. The discovery of these bodies came almost immediately after England's infamous Moore murders, where Ian Brady and Myra Hindley were charged with the murder of five children. Many first believed that the Cannock Chase Forest killings and the Moore slayings were connected, but in November 1968, Raymond Leslie Morris was apprehended while attempting to kidnap a 10-year-old girl. She fortunately managed to escape. Morris most likely would have escaped as well had it not been for an 18-year-old housewife who saw the incident and reported the licence plate of the car to the police. Morris was only found guilty of the 1967 murder, owing to a lack of evidence in the other cases. But the judge, the prosecution and pretty much everyone else all held the firm belief that Morris was guilty of all three crimes. Raymond Leslie Morris was given a life sentence and passed away in jail in March 2014. After the brutal murders in Cannock Chase Forest, the infamy grew to an all-time high. Sightings of ghostly occurrences and paranormal perplexities began surfacing at an increasing rate. The legend of the shape-shifting hitchhiker dates back to at least the 70s. A man was driving through Cannock Chase Forest one warm, rainy night in June. He saw a young lady standing on the grass verge about 120 yards ahead at around 10.45pm. She appeared to be young, perhaps around 15 years old. He pulled over and inquired if she needed a ride because he was concerned that such a young lady was wandering alone so late at night. She reluctantly agreed to the ride and climbed into the passenger seat. The man asked the girl where she was going as they travelled down the road. She explained as she was on her way to the train station to meet her mother. He asked her why she was out so late on a rainy night by herself and she didn't react. The man looked over to see whether she had had any reaction to his question, but she was motionless. Squinting through the rain and the arc of the windscreen wipers, he returned his sight to the road. What's your name? he asked. He didn't turn his head, simply stared forward through the rain splattering on the windscreen. The girl in the passenger seat let out a deep, raspy cackle. The man's blood ran cold as he looked over at the girl However, it wasn't a girl, but a grey, withered old man sitting in the girl's seat. His eyes were orange and he had crooked yellow teeth. Between laboured gasps, he cackled. The man exclaimed and slammed on the brakes. The car squealed to a halt and the man peered over to the passenger seat to discover it was empty. In the mid-2000s, paranormal investigator and author Lee Brickley spoke of his experience with the shape-shifting hitchhiker in his book UFOs, Werewolves and the Pigman. He walked home every night after work. His walk would take him through Cannock Chase Forest. One night, a man stopped over and offered him a lift, which he gladly accepted. As time passed, the man would frequently stop and pick him up because they were both travelling the same route at the same time. When the car pulled up behind Lee one night, he noticed the man was acting strangely, as if something was upsetting him. Lee jumped in and inquired if everything was okay. What the man told him sent frost through his veins. As he drove down his normal route, he noticed a woman standing on the roadside staring blankly ahead. 
He explained that she appeared cold and catatonic, as though in shock. She wore a blue cardigan and black jeans and looked around 25 years old. He drove over and asked her if she needed a ride, presuming she had been in an accident. She didn't say anything. She just nodded and got into the car. He heard her click her seatbelt as she sat in the back seat. As he drove, he asked her a few questions, but she never responded, instead remaining silent. After the third or fourth question with no response, he glanced into the rearview mirror and to his shock found himself looking into the eyes of an old hag with dirty sagging skin and yellow stained teeth. She grinned a wicked smile and the man slammed on the brakes. The car screeched to a halt and he turned around in his seat, only to find nobody there. The sightings of black-eyed children in Cannock Chase Forest began in the 1970s, when a young couple claimed to have come across an odd little girl while wandering through the woods with completely black eyes. The pair stated that while walking through the forest, they heard a young girl screaming for help and followed the sound of her voice which led them to a small girl, aged about 10, running through the trees. She appeared to move abnormally, in jerking gestures. They didn't think much about it at the time, presuming she was hurt, which would explain her calls for help. The couple found themselves pursuing her. As they got closer, she turned quickly to face them. Her small face was threatening, and her eyes were pitch black, like two glossy portals to an unfathomable abyss. The couple stopped pursuing the girl as she sprinted off into the woods. Instead, they reported the incident to the police, leaving out the part about her eyes. The police conducted a search of the area, but never found the girl. In 1982, a group of teenagers were partying in the woods when they saw a young girl, they presumed about six years old, running through the trees and crying for help. They followed for a short while, but stopped when the girl turned around, revealing her eyes. They were, again, black and gaping. But these reports are from the 70s or 80s, when the satanic panic was the reason for everything that was wrong or different. The story told by Anna from Let Me Tell You a Scary Story podcast is much, much more recent. July 2021, Staffordshire, UK. It was a late summer afternoon in the West Midlands as a young couple approached the edge of the notorious forest of Cannock Chase. The sun was setting and the trees cast ominous shadows across the long grass. Ruby glanced over to Tom, who stood next to her, adjusting the straps of his hiking pack. She was nervous and could tell that he was too, but also knew he would never admit it. Are you sure about this? Ruby asked. Yeah, why wouldn't I be? He answered a bit too quickly unknowingly exposing his bluff. They were familiar with the legends of the haunted forest and were well aware that it was illegal to camp in the woods, but the teenagers were determined and nothing was going to stop them at this point. They began their trek into the woods as daylight waned, eventually giving way to the darkness of night. Ruby clicked on her flashlight, flooding the path through the trees with the unnatural brilliance of LED light. As they hiked deeper into the woods, Ruby began to notice the sounds of the bugs and animals in the woods becoming fainter the further in they travelled. 
Eventually, there was no sound at all aside from the crunching of dirt and sticks beneath their feet. Ruby's nervous feeling from earlier had matured to an inarticulate feeling of dread. Have we gone far enough? She asked Tom. Tom turned. The expression on his face appeared to be that of relief. He swept his flashlight around and located a small clearing just big enough for a tent. That should work, he said. The couple worked together to set up the tent and start a campfire. The moon was full and hung low in the sky, partially obstructed by the dark silhouettes of the tree line. They sat and passed the time waiting for something ghostly to happen, and before they knew it a couple of hours had gone by and the flames of the campfire had dissipated to a soft red glow. Ruby felt somewhat relieved that nothing scary had happened, but couldn't shake the lingering feeling of dread deep in her gut. She announced she was tired and headed to the tent to try and sleep. Tom didn't protest and followed her. He, of course, fell right asleep, leaving Ruby to lie awake unable to drift off. As she lay there staring at the canvas roof, something rustled in the bushes just outside the tent. Ruby froze and a chill crept down her spine. In theory, this shouldn't have raised any alarm, except that the woods had been completely silent up until this point. Another rustling sound was followed by rapid footsteps around the tent. Ruby sat up and grabbed Tom's shoulder. He grunted an unintelligible response and she slapped his back causing him to also sit up. He opened his mouth to say something but she clapped her hand over his lips before he had a chance. She whispered, There's something out there. Tom glanced towards the mesh window of the tent and listened. More rustling sounds and then something darted by the window causing the boat to jump. Maybe it's an animal, whispered Tom. But as soon as he finished his thought, the sound of a giggling child echoed through the night. Ruby gasped and Tom went rigid. He pulled on his shoes and unzipped the tent door. Ruby wanted to protest but was too scared to speak. Tom stepped out into the night and shone his flashlight into the trees in the direction he thought the giggle came from. Off to his left, he saw something scramble into the bushes from the corner of his eye. He quickly pointed the light in that direction and took a step towards it. Another giggle emanated from behind him in the trees. As he spun around, Ruby stepped out of the tent and grabbed his arm, causing him to jump. What is that? she asked. Tom didn't answer, just pointed into the trees. Ruby looked in the direction he was pointing just in time to see a little girl poking her head out from behind the tree. Ruby felt the blood drain from her face as the little girl lifted her head, revealing her eyes. They were completely black, as if her pupils had expanded to envelop the entire eye. Then in a flash, the girl darted back behind the tree and disappeared into the night. What do you think of those stories? Those are pretty good. I enjoyed them. Canic Chase has a lot going on, doesn't it? There's a lot. It's only across the water as well. It, well, this, it actually came up because it was one of the places that Bigfoot was sighted. Ah. Um, I left it out of this episode because we mentioned it in the last episode that we covered Bigfoot. And I was just like, Canic Chase, this place sounds interesting. And then I found YouTube videos. That story that I just read there is verbatim from a girl called Anna. She has a podcast called Let Me Tell You a Story. Uh, let Me Tell You a Story. Let me tell you, let me tell you this, let me tell you this. <laughs>
she has a podcast called Let Me Tell You a Scary Story. And just the way she wrote it, I was like, there's no need for me to change it. It's perfect. I don't know if it was a story that someone wrote to her. So apologies if I've robbed that, but I'm quoting her um, because it was fabulous. The shape-shifting hitchhiker, just no, no thank you. I, felt, I picked up on the graveyard that you talked about. Go on. Uh, I just found it interesting that there's 5,000 souls there. Yeah, um, German and Austrian. Yeah. Didn't you bring me to? That's what I was, oh, yeah, I was yeah, comparing yeah. that to the German graveyard in Glen Cree in Wicklow. Mm. And there is 134 souls buried there. That's, that's, that's a... made up of Luft, Luftwaffe and uh, Craig's, I can't, not sure if I'm saying it, Craig's Marine. It's gorgeous. It's really, really pretty. Um, did you come up with any characters for me? Uh, I knew I threw a lot at you. So, uh, kind of only really the last two. Okay. People, um, Ruby and Tom. Yes. So, and I went specifically looking for English characters because it's in England. Yes, yes. So, Tom. Okay. Played by Tom Holland. Love it. And obviously we want to keep the age category similar. Ruby, played by Emma Watson. Oh, I like that. Oh, I think they'd be lovely together. Mm. In period clothing. I know that's not what it is, but in my head, they'd be wearing... No, because Imperial clothing wouldn't make sense, because you wouldn't be allowed to go off camping with your boyfriend, would you? No, not a chance. But you're so, probably not supposed to do it when you're 16 either, but still. But you're not allowed to go live with a lion, beast, bear thing. like. Emily. She didn't exactly go to live with him. He yeah. kind of captured her. Uh, it's a reference to Gideon Beast, Beast, just in yeah. case nobody knows what we're talking uh, about. And then for the, the ghosty girl with the big eyes... The black eyed kid, yeah. Yeah, and you meant you, you said something about the first one being in the seventies, so I went straight to Miley Kunis. Oh my god, I thought if you had told, yeah, because it's the seventies show, that's yeah. probably where we both went. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was a really cool place to cover. Uh, we went to Spike Island last weekend. Uh, we had a trip in Cork, so we said while we were there, we'd go down, and it was absolutely fantastic because the kids are at an age now where. I don't know, stick a phone on the bar that goes across the buggy and let them watch their cartoons because that trip wasn't for them, it was for us. But it was so amazing being able to go somewhere that we've covered. But no matter how much research I do or how in-depth I think I can get into a place, it's not the same as being there. However, Cannock Chase Forest would probably not be on my list of places to go. (laughs) Now, in saying that, it is supposed to be absolutely fabulous. So I think if we went like golden hour first thing in the morning got in all our nice morning shots and did all that we could do because you know how much i miss massies i love i love the forest stuff we never brought the kids to massies no we haven't we oh, have God. to we have the buggy now the buggy would be well able for it out and about for anyone who has twins or you know two kids of different ages or pets that don't walk very well or parents who are just really freaking tired i think that would well be able to carry I... one of us oh one of us yeah you wouldn't put like I thought you meant our parents and I was like I couldn't see my mom oh I thought there, I thought you thought I was like put the two of us in it and the kids could wheel us and <laughs> um, we finish up there say words okay so thank you so much for listening to today's episode I will of course include the links in the show notes and if you have any questions on this or any other episode our socials are what's the story ghost on Instagram and what's the story ghost at gmail.com if you have any personal stories that you would like to share and those are all my words Exit jingle. Exit jingle. Bye. I'm going to just cut most of that out except for the last bit that actually makes sense. Are those the words? Yeah, I think Are you so. sure? No. <laughs>
I didn't actually say any words, I just hummed them and then I said hi. Yeah.